This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. That's a question. Say, y'all, I heard somebody saying that's a question. Amen. Psalms chapter number 23, verse number 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will mm, come on, Teresa. You know, yeah, he's with us. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Hebrews chapter number 2, verse number 14 and 15. For as much, then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Another verse I'm going to read, Psalms chapter number 73. And Brandon is on fire back here. He didn't have the verses. So Psalm 73, verse number 26. My flesh and my heart fails, but God. Mm. But God is the strength of the seat of the emotions. I said, he's the strength of the seat of the emotions. When my emotions are leading me down a path, God gives me strength to undergird that heart, undergird that, sh- that emotion, and my portion forever. I've heard you've probably been around church long enough to know, heard ministers preach, but God, but God. But I want to read some more scriptures here in a moment, but I want to kind of speak to us today on to be or not to be, and I'm going to quote Hamlet today. I don't think I've ever really quoted Hamlet today, but here we go. In fact, I'm going to read it. I'm not going to really quote it because I don't know it that well. The question for him was whether to continue to exist or not, whether it was more noble to suffer the slings and the arrows of an unbearable situation or to declare war on the sea of troubles that afflict one and by opposing them in them. In other words, to die. He pondered the prospect. He's to sleep as simple as that, to die or to sleep. And with that sleep, we end the heartaches and the thousand natural miseries that human beings have to endure. It's an end that we would all ardently hope for, to die, to sleep. He says, to sleep, perhaps even to dream. Yes, that was the problem because in that sleep of death, the dreams we might have when we shed this mortal body must make us pause. That's the consideration that creates the calamity of such a long life. He goes on to say, because 
who would tolerate the whips and the scorns of the time, the tyrant's offenses against us, the contempt of proud men, the pain of rejected love, the insolence of officious authority, and the advantage that the worst people take of the best when one could just release oneself with a blade. Who would carry this load, sweating and grunting under the burden of the weary life if it weren't for the dread of afterlife? That unexplored country from whose border no traveler ever returns. That's the thing that confounds us and makes us put up with those evils that we know rather than hurry to others that we don't know about. So thinking about it makes cowards of us all. And it follows that first impulse to end our life is obscured by reflecting on it. And great and important plans are diluted to the point where we don't do anything at all. We find that the thought of death sharpens our senses of what is most important in our life. It helps to bring families together. It has its way to inflict the deepest pain. But also, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. It has its way to inflict the deepest pain, but also releases a supreme appreciation for the life that we have. It makes us weigh the insignificant against the most valuable. When we all want life to be comfortable and we all want life to just go the right way, we all want the comforts of life, we all want a pillow to lay our head on at night, we all want to have good income, we all want to have a happy family and we all want to come together in unity in the faith. We all want these important things in life. We want our children to love us. We want to love our children. We want to love our church and I hope you love your pastor. At least you want to. We all want life to be comfortable and just right but it's not. But it seems sometimes but it seems it sometimes takes the tragic to remind us of the importance of the true meaning of life. Sometimes it takes the desperate need for God for us to put things back in perspective. Sometimes it takes heartache and pain for us to realize that Jesus is on the throne. It takes things in our life to put our perspective right with God. There are reasons why I minister to the places that we do on Tuesdays and Sundays. I go to Traditions, which is a senior living home, and I go to uh, the villages of Avon for multiple reasons, but for one very specific thing, and that is to remind me of what's important in life. I have asked those ladies and gentlemen many times, some in their 70s and 80s, and some even in their 90s, and I'll ask them time and time again, because some of them will forget that I asked the question a few months ago. And I say, what is important in life today? You're in this beautiful, beautiful place. You're in this place where people are taking care of you. And you don't have much even uh, of substance. But if you walk into the room, you'll see what's important. 
You walk into uh, Betty's uh, Betty's room at the villages of Avon, and I walk into her room, and we begin. I begin to pray with her about something, and she said, "I want to show you something." In that little space that she called home, there were pictures of her loved ones, grandbabies, great grandbabies, uh, sons and daughters, and all these beautiful stories come out. It wasn't about the things that she had accumulated; it was about the people that were in her life. But then she looked, I looked on her bed, and there was this beautiful quilt that was made by a family member. And in that quilt, there was just beautiful words of Scripture. There were beautiful things. On the wall, there was a, a cross with a Scripture. There were, there were pictures that she had. There was nothing in her life that was more important than God and her family. God and her family. When it comes down to the end of days and when it comes down to the, the moment when things are at its worst or the things that they may seem they're about to end, the only thing that really truly matters is Jesus Christ and him crucified. The only thing that really should be significant in our life is finding an altar, finding a place that we can communicate with our Savior and communicate with our Redeemer. But this thing, this idea of coming to contact with God, this thing of holding God so close is lost in the whimsical things of life. It is lost in our idolatry in the world. It is lost by the things that we accumulate in this world. It is lost in our desires for things of this world and what it has. And I'm not saying driving a nice car is, not, is a bad thing. I'm not saying going to a ball game is a bad thing. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy the simple pleasures of life. But what I'm saying is uh, we have got to recognize that it's Jesus Christ is the central focus of our life and, and what kind of people are going to are we going to be? Are we going to be a church that rises up and say Jesus is on the throne? Yes. To be or not to be? Ask the question here today. What do you want to be? Will you allow the arrows and the darts of life to put you in a corner that you will never come out of, or will you come out fighting in the name of Jesus Christ? There's a man that I follow on Instagram. Everybody say Instagram. I don't know how to really do a lot on Instagram, but I accidentally sent something to somebody. They said, did you mean to send this to me? I said, not really, but here it's for you and it's for you anyway. But it was this video of an old friend of mine. His name is Devrin Paul. And he was a basketball player and he was an assistant coach at the, uh, at the Louisville, University of Louisville when we were down there in Kentucky. And uh, him and his, his, one of his best friends, his best friend played at Kent, uh, Kent State or Kentucky State University. And, and he played, um, I forgot where he played basketball in college, but he was coaching for the UofL women's team and he was coming to church there for a little while. He has since moved on and doing coaching things all over the country. And, and uh, he posted something on, on Instagram and a little video of an inspirational thought and he said he said this he said if if things don't go your way and you don't get a test score just right and things don't work out he said what you going to do about it what you need to do is get better and say well that was see that that's the kind of reaction I got when I first read that well that wasn't very powerful he says you need to start working harder 
You need to start working harder and being better for what you're trying to accomplish. I'm here to tell you today, the devil will try to tell us that we're up to no good, that we don't, we don't amount to anything, that the Holy Ghost doesn't move in this place. God will not perform miracles in this house, but I'm here to tell you, I'm just going to get on my knees and pray a little bit more. I'm going to seek God just a little bit more. I'm going to love God a little bit more until I see the glory of God represented in my life. But it's through the hardness and the strife of life that sharpens our importance. Psalms 13 and 3, consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Light my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 7, you are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober for they that sleep, sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Romans 13, 11 and 2, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of your sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. You may think God's coming in 15 years, but God could come at any moment. Your time could be coming right now. Your time could be coming when you leave this place and you fall prey to another car hitting your car and life is ended in a moment. But I'm here to tell you today, I will not sleep the sleep of death. I want to I rise up to the king of kings and said, God, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know you hold tomorrow in my life. The night is far spent Verse number 12, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Light is an offensive weapon. I want you to hear me right now. Light is an offensive weapon. You can't have light in a room and somebody introduce darkness and it become dark. Darkness is submitted to light. We have all the lights on in here, and somebody turn a dark light on for me or turn a, turn a dark switch on. You can't do that. The only way you can have darkness is if you shut off light. Mm. Mm. I better go on. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Light is that offensive weapon. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal and they are not defensive weapons. They are offensive weapons. The shield that Brother Paul was talking about is an offensive weapon. It takes land. You move that forward. It's not a, a defensive weapon. If you got your shield and you're praying that the devil doesn't, doesn't, doesn't attack you anymore, you got the wrong mentality. I'm here to tell you, the devil's coming at me. I can look at him like Goliath. You come to me with a sword and a spear, but I got something more powerful. I don't even have a shield, but my God is a shield. I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, because he is my shield and he is my buckler. Mm. He is my bright and morning star. He is the peace. He is the lily of the valley. That's why when we say the name of Jesus, that's all you really need. Everything, every power, every dominion, everything, all authority is in the name of Jesus Christ. So when my sin goes through Jesus, I am no longer a sinner. Mm. Let me say this. I love a lot of things, what AA does, but the one thing AA does not do 
is you have to get up on that podium. You have to say that I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic even though you quit drinking 30 years ago. The cool thing about Lord, once you step into the cross, you step into baptism and God fills you. I am no longer that creature. I'm created new in the name of God. I can say, yeah, I used to be a sinner, but I've been saved by the grace and the mercy of God. I don't have any more chains. I don't have anything that binds me anymore. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things are passed away. All things become new. I'm not going to stand up here. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. No, I'm not any of those things. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's why the power of the name of Jesus, uh, you can say, I used to have diabetes. I used to have cancer. I used to have afflictions. But now I am made whole through the name of Jesus. Now I feel the Holy Ghost. The name of Jesus is not a defensive weapon. I said the name of Jesus is not a defensive weapon. The name of Jesus is an offensive name. And guess what? Yes, it does offend. When you pray with somebody, it will offend the devil. <laughs> If somebody gets offended by somebody calling up on the name of Jesus, they got a spirit that's about to rise up in them. But that's when I got to get bolder in the name of Jesus and say, hey, you don't have any authority. I got the name of Jesus Christ that is inside of me. Peter and John were walking to the temple to pray. They said, silver and gold, have I none? But such as I have. What do they have? They have the name of Jesus applied to their life. Yeah. Let me just say something. I, uh, this is another part I was studying last night and this morning. I didn't know if I was going to say this part, but it fits right here. I'm here to tell you there are a couple baptisms we need to recognize. When you go down in the watery grave, you are baptized into Christ. I want you to understand that. You are baptized into Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. I said that's a wonderful thing. But the Bible goes on in all Gospels. And it goes on to the book of Acts, Acts 4, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 17. The Bible talks about how the Holy Ghost wants to be baptized in us. Amen. <laughs> There's a baptizing that we go into Christ. But guess what? Christ, the living God, the Holy Ghost, the power of God, now wants to be baptized in us. We call that the baptism of the Holy Ghost and with fire. John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you into water, but there's going to be one greater than I. Whose shoes I'm not worthy to unlatch, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So we are baptized in him in water. But I don't want it to stop there in my lap. I want him to baptize me with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Mm. Mm. Romans 13. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We, in this world of people having a lot of feelings, 
We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings today, but I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that offensive name, that name that wants to come into your life, See, we, we're baptized into him. We submit our body and are baptized into him. We submit ourselves to him. He washes away our sins. But then Jesus says, okay, now you're a part of me. Now I want to be a part of you. There's plenty of scripture for all that. Bible says that we are to put on Jesus. We are to be filled by the baptism of his spirit. But the Bible, the, the, the scripture, the things that I want to share with you right now, it is high time. Everybody say high time. High time to awake out of the sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than what we believed. I'm here to tell you today, this climate of this world is not going to get any better. Mm -mm. This world is not going to get any better. I said this world is not going to get any better. I was in the library last week, and they had an open voting booth, and I was with my kids, and we were in there to check out a book and do things, and this guy was walking out of the library, and he started hollering at everybody about something. He was wanting to take his side on whatever the aisle he was on, and I, I was just like, you know what, just going to ignore him. Everybody that was trying to do something, where everybody was looking at him, and he was trying to put on some kind of show or make a statement or something like that. I'm here to tell you today, if the world wants to throw things in our face and say things about the political climate, do not be ashamed to proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ. Uh, I noticed when I bring anything political, Jordan, it gets real quiet in here. I didn't take a side. All I'm saying is, is political climate. Everybody's got their opinions. And guess what? I have some facts I want to give to this world. You know what will solve this world's problems? is a little bit of Jesus. Hmm. I said a little bit of Jesus will go a long way. I don't care who's in office. I don't care who's in the governor. I don't care who's in the Senate. We need to pray for them that the Holy Ghost would endue them with power from on high. Mm. It's high time. In other words, it is past the convenient time. When the Bible says it's high time, it means the convenient times have passed. You say, I'll go to the altar when it's convenient. I'll go to church when it's convenient. I'll live for God when it suits my fancy. I'm here to tell you, it's high time. That means it's past your suit and your fancy. It's past the time that you think you should need God. God died for all. High time means it's a time past the convenient time, but a time before it's too late. There are four stages and I've mentioned this before a couple years ago in one of my messages, but there are four stages of spiritual sleepiness. There are one, the number one is drowsy. There is a heavy, you're heavy with sleep, but you're half awake. Some of you probably are that way right now. In the state, one, <laughs> I should say physically, maybe you're physically a little drowsy right now. You need a little protein, you need a little protein bar, maybe to hand those out before service, I don't know. So you're in that state of drowsiness. So you're heavy with sleep, but you're half awake. And in that state, one becomes dull, slow of thinking, and no desire to be involved. I'm going to preach right where you're at today. You better hold on. Heavy with sleep. You're half awake. 
you're one that becomes dull, slow of thinking, and no desire to be involved. And that's just the first state of, of sleepiness. The second one is apathy, a deep state of indifference, a lack of feeling, a lack of emotion, a lack of interest, a listless condition that, eh, if I go to church, go to church. Eh, if I give, I give. Eh, if I reach out, I'll reach out. Eh, if I go to the altar, if I don't go to the altar, what's really going to change? Uh, pastor didn't move me in his message today. I really didn't feel the appraise team today. That really didn't do it for me. You know, that lack of feeling, the lack of emotion that we sit there and we got it all together and we don't even feel the emotions moving in our life. In fact, we get to the place that we are lack of even interest. We have more interest in the things of the world than we do for God. You are in a listless condition. You are in a condition that you're about to take your very spiritual life. You're drowsy, but you're gone beyond drowsy. Now you're apathetic. And we're not even into number four of sleepiness. The third one is uh, lethargy, a state of total indifference, a prolonged, everybody say prolonged, a prolonged unnatural sleep, abnormal drowsiness. You're not just drowsy, but you are now abnormal in your sleep patterns. Things aren't going. You're a total state of indifference. A prolonged, unnatural sleep. Something is not right. You can't see God. You have no desire for God. You don't really care if God even exists. You don't care what the preacher preaches about. You don't care what songs they sing. In fact, you would rather sit at home and wonder about what they sang about and preached about than even coming to the house of God. And then the fourth level of sleepiness is paralysis. This is the final state that comes before or comes after lethargy. It is, the, it is a helpless condition of inactivity. A loss of power and a loss of emotion. I'm here to tell you today the Lord departed Samson while he was asleep. Judges 4.21, Caesarea got a nail in his head while he was asleep. Jonah got on the boat, and guess what he did? He went to sleep and went to Nineveh. Luke 22.45, and when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping. He found them sleeping and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. Song of Solomon 5, 2, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. I'm here to tell you today, God loves you and he's knocking on the door of your heart and wants to wake you out of your sleepiness, wake you out of your lethargy, wake you up out of your paralysis, wake you up out of your drowsiness. God is crying for people to rise up. 
God is looking for a church that will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here I said, I wouldn't scream and holler. Solomon was saying, he says that in the time of visitation, I went to sleep. So many of us, when God wants to visit with us, we put the brakes on. We, we say, whoa, that's a little bit too close for comfort. But I don't want to put the brakes on when it comes to Jesus Christ. David talked about it in Psalms 139. He said, let there not be any hindrance from your presence coming into my life. Take all the stumbling blocks out. Take the tear of the walls down. Take all the ditches out. I want to pave a way for Jesus Christ to move in my life. Solomon was saying that in a time of visitation, this is verses five through eight, in a time of visitation, I went to sleep, but yet I was not really asleep. I was drowsy or I was dozing. I was taking a little nap and I heard a knock. It was the lover of my soul. And he says, I finally shook myself and I came to my senses. I got up and I opened the door and my hands dripped with myrrh. And I know and I heard his voice, but now he is gone. I overslept. Now all I have is just a smell, just a fragrance of what once was. It cost me my relationship with my master. I'm here to tell you today, I do not want to be caught sleeping when the Lord comes. I don't want to be caught in a state of lethargy when the Lord comes. God is looking for a church that doesn't have its ups and downs. And I know we're going to have our things that we go through, but that does not affect my love and dedication for Jesus Christ. There are things that we have to deal with. There are things and devils that I'll have to fight and put in their place and, and things that we'll have to come up against. And, and, the, and they'll be rising and they'll be falling with a lot of different things. And there'll be things that we're going to have to go through and things we're going to have to figure out by the help of the Lord. But I'm here to tell you today, I will not fall asleep at the wheel. We cannot be a church that has a lack of interest. We cannot be a, a church that is lethargic, that comes to a place of paralysis. We cannot get drowsy in our walk with him. We cannot find ourselves just going through, the, going through the motions. God is coming very, very soon. And we have got to get our act together, so to speak, and say, I, Pastor, I have come, and I'm going to be committed to the cause of Christ, and I'm going to be committed to the kingdom kingdom of God and his righteousness and do the call of God not just on a Sunday or a Wednesday but I'm going to rise up on a Monday put my feet on the floor as I am called for a purpose I'm set apart for something for God hmm. in the name of Jesus so if you are sleeping spiritually here today hear this pastor Hear the name of Jesus, that offensive name of Jesus knocking at your door. And I pray, I sincerely pray that you answer and open that door, but don't open that door too late. Because if you open that door too late, all you'll have is the remnants of what you could have been and should have been. When I look at those elders and when I go to these homes, 
And I shared this. I don't know if I shared this in the pulpit or not. Three weeks ago, I was at the villages of Avon. And there was an elderly man in his 90s. He was crying, weeping. I'm telling you what. I feel just as much Holy Ghost at the villages of Avon, Sister Cheryl, than I do just about any place else. Because the last few weeks, it's amazing to me. I'll go in with an idea of what I want to teach for a devotion. But then a family member of a resident that comes in there. And they'll sit there, and they'll be sitting with their loved one, and they'll begin to listen to the Word of God. And the last three weeks, I've had a guest there, and I look across the table and weeping before the Lord. They're crying before God because they know they feel something that they maybe hadn't felt in a long time, and they, they feel the presence of God. But this young, this, this young man, this man in his 90s, he looked at me, and he was crying in that moment. I had not met him. I forgot his name was, was a Harold, Walter. You know who I'm talking about, Cheryl? And, and Walter looked at me, and he began to cry, and he says, he said, I asked, I asked you a question. I said, yes. He said, will God, for, for God, will God forgive me for killing Germans? I wasn't ready for that. Weeping. He said, well, God, forgive me for killing Germans. And I got to be honest with you, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready to respond. I've never been asked that question before. So I don't know if Sister Cheryl was sitting next to him or somebody. Was, they put their hand on him, and I reached across the table, and I said, Walter, I said, Jesus is going to wash away all the things that we have done in our past. And you can become a new creature in Christ Jesus. I said, have you been baptized? Have you repented for the things and if they, things that you're sorry for? And we begin to, after talking for him for a little bit, we begin to talk about repenting. He said, yeah, I've been baptized. And I, I've said, God, will you forgive me? And I said, well, God has forgiven you. You don't need to allow those things to attack your mind anymore. You don't need to allow those things to define who you are. But I looked across that table and Walter was weeping. Because in his mind, he was bound by what he had done in the World War. There were things, may not be a German, it may not be killing somebody in that fashion in time of war, but there are people in this room here today that has allowed their past to put them asleep spiritually because the devil has convinced you that you cannot and you will not be forgiven and your past still has a hold on you and has caused us to fall into the trap of lethargy and drowsiness and the devil has convinced us that we can never do anything for God. That I am bound by what I have done I'm bound by my sickness. I'm bound by the things that define me. You don't understand, Pastor Pete. This is the way people look at me. This is the way people think that I am. But I'm here to tell you, you don't need to allow the world to define you. You allow Jesus Christ to define you. An incredible witness was at a funeral. Brother Hayward was doing a, did a great job at a funeral a few months ago of a family member. And he began to walk in there and and the people began to hear that he was going to be ministering at that funeral. And I heard, overheard the testimonies and said, man, you're not the same man you used to be. 
there was a testimony of a life. He was no longer defined. People thought it was going to be the same old man, but guess what? It's not the same old man. He's a new creature in Christ Jesus. God has brought him a long way. We're going to be hearing from this man not in not too many weeks here, but I'm here to tell you, you are not defined by your past. You're not defined by your past. And just like Walter, many of us are weeping on the inside and we're paralyzed spiritually because we feel like we can't. To be or not to be. The sleep of death. The spiritual sleep of death. Please don't go to sleep on God. Please don't go to sleep on the kingdom. Please don't give up on this pastor. Please don't give up on the body of Christ. Please don't throw in the towel and say, I can't do it anymore. I'm here to tell you, you can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth you. When I am abased, God can lift me up. When I'm too high on the hog, he will bring me back to the place I need to be. I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. Jordan, if you would come. We cannot lose sight of what's right in front of us. Your miracle is in front of you. Your liberty in Christ is right in front of you. You just can't see it yet. You just can't imagine it. You can't see it because things have clouded your judgment. Perhaps the lack of faith Perhaps the cares of life. Perhaps, it could, well, it could be anything. It could be debt. It could be finances. It could be sickness. It obscures our thoughts and our minds from off Christ and keeps them off of Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. Come on, devil, where you at? I'm going to deal with you. In fact, the Bible shows us, I believe it's in the book of Daniel, that the devil's got to go to heaven, get his orders every day, what he can and cannot do. Read it. The devil has to go to heaven and say, well, how much, how much rope are you going to give me today? like all the angels have to go to heaven and get their marching orders. Jacob was on that rock sleeping at night. The Bible says the angels were ascending and descending. God was moving to him, showing him things. The angels were going up to heaven, getting their orders and coming back down. The devil has got to get his marching orders. And then we think that he's got us surrounded. But the Old Testament prophet was on the hill or on the wall and he had that servant with him. And that servant says, do you see the army around this city? Do you see this army that's surrounding us? There is no hope. There is, we're, we might as well just throw in a towel. We're not gonna, we might as well just live out our last days here the best that we can. The prophet says, no. Do you see the army on the outside of that army? Bible says he prayed to open up the eyes of the servant so he would see the army of God. 
I'm here to tell you today, God wants to wake you out of the sleep. Mm. He wants to erase the things that this world has defined. And says, all right, now let's wash those things away by the blood of the Lamb. And I'm going to show you something beautiful. God wants to show somebody something beautiful here today. You may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but you do not have to fear because he is with me. I said he is with us. Let's stand together right now. Raise your hands if you need God to begin to wash the scales off your eyes. of blood no doubt was tired but she found a little bit of extra faith she found a little bit of extra strength I wonder I know she was probably weak in her body but when she began to go to the Lord the Lord knew she was coming there's no doubt that Jesus knew she was coming there's no doubt that she he knew that she was pushing through the crowd and I wonder if on the inside Jesus said come on Come on, I, I, got, I got something for you. All you need to do is touch the hem of my garment. I got virtue that's ready to flow out of me. He's praying for you that your faith fail not. He is watching you. He is looking to you. Don't let your... Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.